Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hello, everybody. We're super excited to bring you our friend, Christy Lawrence. She is the founder of Plan. It's planthat.com. It is a visual planner and scheduler app for Instagram. I'm sure a bunch of you already use this app and know and love it. So we're really excited today for her to kind of share some ins and outs of what's going on. But you can get the app on the App Store or Google Play, or you can check out all of the cool features that the app has on their desktop site at planthat.com. We'll have a link for that in the show notes so you can just head straight there. So inside this episode, we are talking about what it is like to build an app, what it costs, what are the startup expectations of working with a developer, what kind of person it takes to actually do it, what you need to know before hiring someone, where you should be putting your app, iOS, Android, both, how to get traction, marketing, the whole nine yards, and even a little behind-the-scenes story of why Christy started Plan in the first place. You're going to learn a lot inside this episode. I'm excited for you to dive right in. Today on the podcast, we have Christy Lawrence of Plan. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello, hello. I'm so pumped to talk to you about this journey. I have an affinity for software. I don't know why. I've always loved the idea of building an app or some kind of product, but in the first 10 minutes of meeting you, I might never do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited to go into the show today and really walk through your journey of what it's like as a woman to build this app and launch it out into the universe and how much does it really cost and what is it really like to do it. Let's talk about all of the things. I can't wait. Everything. Yeah. 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 
Yes. So I want to know if you have an idea for an app, where do you start? Do you do you build that dream version first or do you build the simplified version with less functionality? Oh, so that's that's definitely the very first question. But before you've even gone there, you need to know that it's going to solve a problem and who it's going to solve it for. And I think that there, like you've got the app idea and you're like, should I do it? Should I do it? And if, if you go the small version or the big version, either way, it's going to cost a lot to make and then run. So you need to know from the very beginning, what's the problem that you're solving? Who are you going to solve it for? And will they be willing to pay to solve that problem? And I think that there's a, like the really big of some people overlook it. But for me, that was the most important thing because I'm just like you. I have a million ideas. But this one was one that I wanted just for myself. And I went through that process and thought, no, this is a real problem here. And I, and I know I can help. So the next question is, okay, do you go all in or do you build that simple version? And that really comes down to I would most estimate your financial position. And the reason I say that is because if you do your, it's called a minimum viable product or in the industry and tech would be an MVP, you're looking at about mm, 10 to 20, sometimes up to $60,000 for the MPV, MVP version. So if you build it and then you don't have the money to fund it, you'll, you'll probably be asking for angel investors to come on board. But if you have that funds available to you or you, you think you'll be able to make revenue or start making money straight away, that's when you decide, okay, I'll make the full version first and then you go all in. That becomes your first technical decision. That like hurts my brain even thinking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and then I think the serious question of, okay, do I think people are actually going to pay money for this? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll go deeper into this further, but why is it, and this is just like your opinion and thought process, yeah. but why is it that... We barely want to spend a dollar ninety nine for apps, oh. and that that can change our lives. That can make all of this stuff easier. But for some reason, that kind of frontier is like literally penny and nickels out there per person. So, how do you, as an app developer, kind of go into this world knowing that that's the market? Well, I'll be honest, I didn't. So. <laughs> I've learned I've learned all of this after building it because my background's marketing and advertising. I'm a freelance illustrator. I love the arts and I thought, oh my gosh, there's this way that I can help thousands of people around the world sell their work and sell their products. Because I was consulting at the time and I found I was repeating myself and I thought, no, there's gotta be a way. And just like you, I love text. I was like, oh, I could put this in an app, definitely. But then I started researching how much they cost and I thought, oh, okay, so yeah, people will pay for that. And then you realize that they don't. But you don't realize that until later. So that was quite, for me, quite a huge challenge. And I think the reason for that, and this is obviously my personal opinion, is that you've got the Facebooks of the world and you've got the Instagrams and everything's free. But nobody realizes that's because there's massive corporates paying millions of dollars to take your data behind the scenes and they're earning money in other ways. So they are making money, but they're in different ways where I'm a, it's me <laughs> paying, <laughs> paying, paying for an app and I don't have any funding. So I've completely paid the whole thing for myself. So I don't have that millions of dollars behind me. And I think the funny thing is that there are 2 million apps out there, but you only hear of the 1% because they're the ones mm-hmm. that have the funding to get PR. So that's mm-hmm. my personal opinion on that. And you're right, it has been quite um, quite a hard journey to get emails like, why do I have to pay for an app? And I'm thinking, I'm working 100 hours a week and I've spent so much money and I'm helping you. So why wouldn't I get paid? So, yeah. 
yeah anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it has it been, makes uh, sense you pay yeah. for everything else you pay for products you pay for services why wouldn't you pay for Ooh. software like I don't know I mean you're used to paying for certain types of software but mm-hmm. somehow if you put it on your phone all of a sudden you assume that it has to be at zero cost to you so it has definitely been a challenge but I've embraced it now and I understand it uh, but it took me a little while to get used to it. It doesn't upset me anymore, which is a good, <laughs> a good thing. But it's just learning what to do with that information. So. so I've read some numbers and I feel like I see a huge gamut of, you know, budget 20,000, budget 40,000, budget 100,000, budget mm-hmm. 200,000. Yeah. What, as someone who's been through this process... I mean, obviously, depending on what your app is and what the functionality is and how long Mm -hmm. it's going to take to build and how many people, like, obviously, it's going to vary significantly. Yeah. But can you give me a ballpark? Where (laughs) should people even start with this? Um, Well, if if you're doing your MVP, that's the difference. So I decided to go all in. And at the time, I didn't think apps costed that much. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just build it. And everyone had told me that Android was getting really big. So I actually started Plan on Android and then launched kind of soft launch Android and then decided to build Apple, which was the silliest thing because I should never have done that. I should have really researched what my audience was and stopped listening to the, the people in the tech industry telling me about Android. So that like that was my first kind of big lesson. So the costs, the costs that come with building two apps as well can then double. So that's, again, another way that the money can keep increasing. So I think your kind of question is how, how does it get to be that expensive? Is that kind of, yeah. So it's, it's because you're paying two different developers that talk two different languages and coding two different languages. You've probably got a project manager. You've got a test team because you need people to test it to make sure it works. You've got to build a website and then you've got to market it. And then the the coding every month, because you're building something from complete scratch, it, it takes the developers a long time to kind of one, get their head around what you're building. And then you have to work out how to work together. And then next minute, your timeline of three to six months is blown out to 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. And you still have to pay them monthly mm-hmm. or on particular milestones. So it, it just, you, you've got to deal with developers going off task. You've got to deal with scope creep. I want this, I want that, or design changes. You've got to pay for the design. I was lucky I didn't have to do that. I designed everything myself. Yeah, so it just, I don't even know, just next minute, <laughs> you're forking out thousands of dollars. Well, and I think that gives some realization to people as well who, you know, we, we hear about these cool apps or cool softwares that are only compatible with iOS devices. And we... We get frustrated because it's not for our phone or someone else's phone or whatever, but realizing that you're literally creating two different products because yeah. there's such different platforms. You can't just make one thing and make a couple tweaks to it to have it mobile friendly across the board. It It is a completely different product. I didn't even know that. So yeah. completely yes. different product. And the most interesting thing that I learned is that Android has over 10,000 different devices. So when you're going through the test phases, you're like, where do I even begin? 
So like, I, Android, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because of the, the, what's known as an open source. So Samsung and right. anyone else can build an Android product. Where Apple, like, nope, this is our product. But in saying that, Apple, Apple, you've still got people who have different software. People are running different versions of software. That anyway, so it technically becomes like there are hundreds of Apple products as well when you're trying to test. <sighs> oh my god. <goodness. laughs> I didn't know this either. I was like, oh, I'll just make it happen. It's definitely not as easy as it sounds. So maybe the key is to go into your app building super optimistic and just like do it anyways because you're bound to get a lot of curveballs <laughs> down the road. Yeah, I think, I think though, if you've got, I think in hindsight, had I have had mentors earlier, but I didn't know, I didn't know. But at the time, I had no experience. I didn't have actually anyone in my social circles who had ever built an app for it. I'm just that gung-ho, oh, I'm going to do it. So yeah. in hindsight, if I'd had mentors a little bit earlier or tech advisors a little bit earlier, these mistakes probably wouldn't have happened. And I thought I had an advisor at the time, but potentially didn't have the knowledge that he said he might have. So I mm. probably might not have done as much research as I should have. So all these things is a first-time tech founder that you learn the hard way. So if anyone's thinking about it, I definitely recommend grabbing a mentor and asking about these things. Yeah. What yeah. other mistakes do you feel like you made that you could help someone avoid? The biggest mistake, I have to admit, the biggest mistake that I made was I really wanted to get the app built. And the first time I did it, I actually offshored it and went, okay, let's just, I can do this. I'm smart enough. And I outsourced it to an overseas team and <laughs> it was a disaster. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I sent the design files off to them and they came back and they weren't the same and the coding wasn't that great and I lost quite a, quite a bit of money doing that. So that was probably my biggest mistake. And then in my kind of haste to, okay, I've just wasted a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of months. I'll come back to Australia and I'll get it built here. And then I decided to barter my time at a web and app agency here in Sydney. And they actually were the ones that educated me on how app building works. And I worked for free while they built the tech, which is how I was actually able to afford the tech for so long but it wasn't until the end of the kind of soft launch of plan for the very first time to just see if there was product market fit that mm -hmm. they let me know that they actually didn't have the resources to continue with the product and uh, they, it was full of bugs when it first launches as for most all apps are and they didn't have capacity to kind of look over it and no other developer will actually you'll probably find this in most software companies is that if you move code to someone else it's like being an author you don't pick up someone else's book and keep writing so <laughs> if you move tech teams it usually means you have to rebuild the app so here's me building plan for the third time and I would say that <laughs> that would probably be not. So did you get a major refund from that second place? Because I would have been, I would have, I would have walked in there with my fists held high <laughs> and I would have, actually I wouldn't have, that, that sounds not yeah. like me at all, but I would have been very upset and I would have cried in my yeah. pillow every night. There was, That's there was more like, me. yeah, it was, it was pretty heartbreaking. I will admit it. <sighs> it was, I, I, <laughs> I was oscillating between picking up a chair and throwing it through a window to panic attacks and tears and weight mm -hmm. loss and and I just thought to myself, look, I could, I can concentrate all my energy on this anger and frustration, or I can pour it into more determination. Like this is going to happen, and that's really what I did, and I channeled it. And now I have a, a great new team. It's growing really quickly, and yeah, we've rebuilt. So and everyone thought it was just an update, which was great, but it took me a long that's time. That's good. To, it, put, it took me a long time to put this update out, <laughs> but so it was an entirely new app. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What are the things then? If it's so finally getting to like the third rendition of this. So I get the first one, like, okay, don't just outsource it necessarily overseas. That might not be your best bet, but that from your middle people to your end people, what could you have asked yourself and what did you need to know in order to avoid that mistake in the first place? Or do you just have to do it? I don't think I, I don't think there is a learning here. I, I think it's just part of the experience and I just think it's part of my story now and I feel like it's part of my learning and my personal growth. It's done a lot for me in personal growth. (laughs) So in hindsight, I don't think I would have done anything differently. No. Hmm. There you go. As advice for somebody else, I would definitely be doing a lot more research into apps and asking about capacity and because when when you start an app, you think, oh, I'm going to build an app, but you don't think about the maintenance of afterwards. And it can take – apps don't finish ever because Android and Apple are always updating. And there's always products, and you probably always want to tweak it. If you're anything like me, you're always wanting to tweak it and change. So you need to understand if they've actually got capacity after build. And that was a question I never even thought to answer or to ask, let alone research. But I didn't think it was even a possibility that it wouldn't happen. Hmm. <laughs> Thoughts. Thoughts. So I, I know we probably scared the pants off of everyone who've ever oh, decided no. to, to uh, think about it. So I'm curious now, what? who is this for? Like who can withstand the hurricane that is about to descend <laughs> upon them? You have to have a law of determination. Holy moly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So tell me about that person. Is it you? Would you recommend it for someone like you? Or do you think it takes a different type of person? Or what do they need to know? I think the biggest thing is that you always need to be learning. I feel every single day that I've been in some crazy intensive workshop. And I've been doing this for about 18 months now, if you count all of it. And every single day at the end of the day, I've learned something. And I love it. So you have to be a serial learner. And you have to be able to roll with the punches. And I have had to find peace in change. My day is <laughs> can change so quickly. I can go from being in the best mood to the worst mood in about <laughs> 10 minutes. And you have to be completely uncomfortable. So, for example, for me, Instagram roll out different updates all of the time. And they don't tell anyone. They just announce it. And I find out when you do. I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to try and build that in. And where am I going to fit that in my sprints? And what do I remove from my developer team to fit in this new feature? And then try and handle the emails coming in going, why doesn't it do this yet within 24 hours? So (laughs) I think you just have to be really comfortable and really happy with the journey and the process and why and have that, why are you doing this? Because if you don't have that big mission of why you're doing it, I don't think you could do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I guess. Yeah. Are you, are you happy with it? Are you happy to still be doing it? Has it, has it fulfilled the purpose and the need that you set out for it to do? Well, the the crazy thing is, is that when I developed it for the, the kind of this, if we talk about that second piece and I designed all of the things that are going in it, it's not there yet. So right now, if you ask me today, no, because (laughs) technically the product that I have isn't what I wanted to launch with yet. So I'm still building the product to where it should be. And I think once I'm there and then I can finally start implementing the things that people are asking for, then I'll be happy. And but I am, like, you can tell, I'm a happy person anyway, and I'm quite, I, I love life, and I'm really enjoying the journey. But in terms of you talking, like, the product itself, I just sure. I just really want it finished, and I believe that the end of this month should have everything seen done. So That's so exciting. Yeah, I'm hoping. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Woohoo. You never know what to <laughs> Right? Well, yeah, let's not jinx it. <laughs> 
So if I have, okay, I have my idea. I have, apparently I have enough money to pursue this idea mm-hmm. and I'm determined. I know I'm the right person for to do this. I'm going to, I'm willing to learn along the way, but I know I'm not a developer. So I'm going to need someone on my side to create the product itself. Like I'm ready to market it. I'm ready to learn what I need to learn, but Ultimately, I can't I can't code it. So what do I need to know before I even go and look for that person? And then how do I go about finding them? Yeah, sure. So being I'm also a non-technical founder, so I don't know how to code. I can do a little bit of HTML for my website, but <laughs> there's no way I can do app coding. So I was in this exact situation. So what I did for myself was referral-based when you're looking for a technical team, you're basically getting married. <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of money with this person. You've got to be completely wide open to communication. And sometimes developers don't see things the same way that you do. So you have to be able to communicate really, really well or have a project manager. The, the recommendation that I would make is ask someone in the, in the world of app building or friends that had know somebody. So for me as a non-technical founder, I was always asking for referrals because I wanted to be able to trust that person that they weren't going to, you know, there are, there are ways around not having your code stolen and things like that, but you need to find someone completely trustworthy that you can ask anything. So uh, I don't know if I've answered your question, but for me, it was all about making sure it, you've got a referral. And if you then get a referral and you're okay, you're trying to work out if that'd be a good fit, check the apps that they've made, look at the quality, look at the things that they come up with, the UI, UX, how things work together, and then make a decision based on that. So are there any sort of protections that you can put in place when you're having those initial conversations with someone, when you're sharing your ideas for what this app could be to make sure that someone doesn't just run out and, you know, two years later, be able to create that thing instead of you? Yeah, well, you've got your non-disclosure agreements. But if you're working with international teams, you have to watch that some countries don't aren't covered. And I think the biggest thing is yes and no. So you can you can do all of your own marketing and build your website and claim that you own it. And you can actually appeal to Apple later on if you do feel like someone has copied or stolen your app. So there are things that Apple can help you with and trademarks and all the rest of things. But at the end of the day, apps are such a big job that if that person is, I, I hear this a lot, but I think, and people come to me and say, I want to talk to, to you about my app. And I'm like, sure. And they're like, how do I know you're not going to steal it? I'm like, well, if you knew how hard an app was, I definitely don't want another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tricky, but it can be done. I mean, like anything, I think. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So talk to us now about the marketing aspect. I know you brought a lot of those skills to your app and to your product. And so how does something like that work? Like I can wrap my head around, okay, you're getting the website. Maybe let's create a blog and let's create the social accounts. But you're just like, I have an app, go buy it. What are some places that you need to be in order for people to to know that you exist? Well, obviously the app store is actually a huge thing. And Google has SEO. But the App Store has what's called ASO, App Store Optimization. So it's exactly the same as, kind of exactly the same as Google Keywords, but different in App World. So you have to learn how to write ASO for the App Store. And then your imagery is what sells the app as well. So I'm constantly testing and changing imagery around different orders and videos and different keywords so that, that is one place that everyone never has heard, like most people have never heard of, but I spend quite a bit of time on. And then it's just about, and then the next piece is really knowing your audience and who you've made it for or your particular personas that you're talking to and understanding where they are and talking to them. So those are my, the top two things that I use. Well, it's really, it's really no different. I mean, this is me interpreting things, but it sounds like it's really no different than selling anything. I mean, 
feeling is the same. So knowing where they are and finding them and appealing to them and understanding what they're going through and appealing to their pain points and trying to solve their problem with an app (laughs) and selling them that app. So how have you been able to get people over? Are you building an email list and then marketing to that email list? Or how have you converted sales? What's your process like? I have 10 lead generation channels. Okay. And I've selected the different personas that I want to speak to. So since we've been live in the app store, well, it's not, I still call it a paid beta version because technically it's not finished. (laughs) So since we've been in the app store, I now have just celebrated 30,000 users. Yeah, 30,000 users over 50 different countries. So I'm really excited that I've been able to reach so many people. And the way that I believe that that's happened is because my core focus for when I, when the app first started, it didn't have a server. So you can't share across devices. And I'm hoping by the time this goes live that that is finally finished. We had a few setbacks with the server. So that should come out. So what happened is like, okay, so I can help people that are just like me, that they've got creative products or they're hustling on the side or they're, they're running their own business on their own. So I'm going to talk directly to them and I'm going to solve all of their problems and put it in the app for a few dollars. And yeah. that that's basically how I started. And it was a big pain. It is a big pain point because people want productivity tools and branding and, and people took them a little while to realize how visual Instagram was, but there was no strategy branding tool. So I'm like, okay, here's this app. You put your images in, you can drag and drop and, and visually and what I like to call story sell. So you can do your different posts and tell your story. And here you go. You put it all on your phone and off you go. You can do it while you're at daycare. You can do it at the beach. And that that's how appealing it is. At the beach. Oh, I wish there was a beach close. You have, you have parrots outside your window in a beach down the street. And yeah. I live in the middle of the United States where there's a field and it <laughs> decides to rain like every other day it feels like anyway sounds enough like of me complaining come to visit it sounds like <laughs> i think i think i might need to get on an airplane come down to australia and visit you so talk to us about what else did you have going on in your life or personal business that you either set to the side or dealt with and how did you really time manage? It sounds like an app takes your constant attention still to this day, even if it's in the paid testing phase, Mm. but did you have any other source of income coming in while you were working and building on this app? And, and how were you able really to divide your time and your focus on this? It, I'm not going to lie, it was incredibly challenging because here I am bartering my time for 10 months for free and not earning any cash. So in the what I was doing was running Instagram workshops or I'm illustrating on the side and was trying to do as much as I could to do consulting for not only girls in, in Instagram but also girls in tech and being paid to collaborate on different workshops. So it wasn't much but it was enough to pay the rent which was at the time all that I needed. So I have a very supportive husband who obviously he doesn't fund anything. I actually, the way that it came about was about three years ago, I woke up with the flu and it went into my brain and destroyed my entire vestibular function. So I wasn't able to work and I was left drunk and dizzy. And I know that 
there's a, a few people going through very similar things that can understand, but it's basically like having full-time vertigo and being drunk all the time. So I, I was only able to go to my job previously to doing all of this was at an advertising in an advertising role where I was making TV commercials. And if you're falling over and throwing up all the time, <laughs> you, you can't be on set. So I had to retire my corporate marketing and kind of came home and needed to regroup and I was painting every day and putting it on Instagram and and selling artwork at the time and that's how plan was actually born through that that rehabilitation so my personal life went from working crazy and and being really social to then being at home drawing (laughs) to then feeling better and I'm going to get this app made so because of the time I'd spent I was at home I was so motivated that I got to the point where I did not care that I was affecting and losing all the different areas of my life. I was like, this is my mission and this is my focus and this is what I want to do. So mm-hmm. probably not the healthiest work-life balance. If you ask me <laughs> about work-life balance, I'm probably not the person. <laughs> but I just, I just really saw the vision and I really wanted to make it and I knew how many people I could help. And I was like, no, this is happening. And I just poured everything into it. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I I think a lot of people resonate with, I mean, people go home for a lot of different reasons. They go home because maybe they don't like their job or they go home because something happened in their life and health brought it, came, something affected them or something affected someone they love and they had to be a caretaker. And I don't know. I think regardless of the situation you're going through, being home is a totally different life and lifestyle than working that corporate job. And you have to love what you're doing Mm -hmm. and it has to be almost mission oriented. So I think you bring up a good point in that, you know, even though this sounds incredibly difficult, being in business is incredibly difficult. (laughs) And so Maybe it doesn't cost me nearly as much to run my business. Thank the Lord. Knock on wood. Um, But it does create, I do have to have the same amount of drive and ambition. Yeah, we have to, as as business owners, you have to talk about your work 24-7 and you're sometimes Mm -hmm. dreaming about it. it. And it can sometimes take over your entire life. So there are still a few boundaries, but you are right. You have to love it because if you don't, some people come to me, oh, I've got this app idea and no one's doing it. I can make millions. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you won't. <laughs> like maybe, but my initial thought is, wow, if you want to pour that much money and that much effort in just to make a million dollars, it gets not, you know, that can't I, just be I can't help goal. you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. No, I think, I think when, especially app or a new product blog, it doesn't matter what, what any of us are launching, it's usually new and it's usually the first time we're doing it. And we're usually teaching ourselves a lot of things. I mean, that's everyone here listening, creative entrepreneurs. We teach ourselves the things we want to put out into the world. We don't just know them. And so really, really truly digging into the why behind what you're doing. And we talk about this all the time. It's Mm -hmm. not just, I want to make this app to help people, but what's the why even behind that? Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about kind of that personal journey of when the days got harder and when you had a bad day. And because I know just with whatever you were going through, some days were really grand and some days were really shitty. So is there any sort of mindset lessons you can kind of pull away from that and share with our audience that you worked through with yourself? 
Um, because you are right. So putting and and it, being a creative person myself, you, when you're putting something out in the world, you feel incredibly vulnerable. And when you've got an app out there, and it's a software, so nobody expects there to be a face or a real person behind the scenes. So I'm getting smashed in the app store with one star reviews, and I'm like going home crying. I'm like, why don't you just email me? I would have fixed the problem. I already know what you're complaining about. Just email me. I'm right here. So that took me a long time to get over because I can't respond to app store reviews. So that was. Uh, that's hard that that was really hard so it's out there and I can't do anything about it mindset tips yeah the the why for me was always and this sounds really kind of eerie fairy but I want creative people to get paid and that has been I've worked in advertising where we don't get paid unless we produce creative up front and you don't get that in any other industry and then when you do artwork you get paid at the end but in every other industry you get paid up front and then you get the goods. So it just for me is I've grown up with that. I've been making things and drawing things since I was 12. I style weddings for my friends. Like you name it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I just didn't understand my whole life why creative people don't get paid. or cre- like, and, and then, of course, moving into creativity then helps with so much rehabilitation. And you hear about I had this injury and I went to creativity and it changed my life and now I do this and I'm happy. And and I just think that creativity is such a magical place and, I, and I'm obsessed. Like that's what I that's actually what I'm obsessed with. So my why and my mission has always been I want to empower more creative people to get paid for their talent. And I'm surrounded, my my friend circle and my social circle were all a bunch of crazy creatives. Mm-hmm. And that's how I spend my time with. And I see what they're doing. I'm like, I could help you. So mm-hmm. that's that's my drive, really. That sounds like everything I say every time I'm walking down Target or I meet a creative for coffee or lunch. It's, mm. it's Abby and I sit there and we're like, we could help you. Like, <laughs> it's not this far out of your reach, whether it's taught through a webinar of ours or your app through being able to plan your brand and, and take your business seriously in that sense. Mm. It all comes from that same place of this thing is possible for you to succeed at and for you to make money at. You just have to treat it in a different way, and, and we want to help you do that. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. You're one of a kind. <laughs> so let's talk about – I want to share some more. I know we kind of talked about the marketing and kind of the launching of the app and, and, and really pivoting that why. But when you come out and you have this app that comes out and plans your Instagram content, and you can drag and drop these features and it has all of these things, and then all of a sudden – all of these other apps kind of start popping up that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. What is your kind of tactic for standing above all of that, making yourself unique, making yourself different? And how do you navigate that field? I feel like tech is one of those things that's like someone, it feels like the next day to us non-app creators that all of the sudden, all of these apps out here do similar things. Mm-hmm. So how do you work through that? It was, well, there were some tears. <laughs> because you can imagine how hard I've worked to get it out and and then to have a couple of copycats come up and maybe they weren't copycats because no idea and I'll say this again no idea is original but it's all about the execution and who you're trying to help so that for me was okay Christy you know why you're doing this you know your mission you know who you're trying to solve it for just keep going stay in your own lane and you know and it was just more about that and then I found that they a couple of the others had come over and checked out what I was doing on social media and I'd seen, I was like, you know what, if they're going to copy me, then, then they're always going to be behind me. So I'm just going to keep being the thought leader. I'm going to keep being what I keep doing what I do. 
and not worry about them. So now I just have a thing on my wall. It used to be don't compare yourself to strangers on the internet. I think we've all got that one. But the one for me now is obsess over your community, not your competition. So I'm constantly, I, I obsess over my community. I don't, give a, I don't give a hoot. I was almost about to swear then. I don't know where hoot came from. Oh. <laughs> I, just, I don't give a shit if, if there's someone else doing the uh-huh. same thing because they're not going to do the same thing because I am different and I am making it myself. So I actually am not worried. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. If if they're copying you, then they're always going to be behind you. Mm. Holy moly, yeah. chills. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great thing to focus on. I think a lot of us, well, and I think even in the early stages, I think our tendency is to look up to people and mimic them. And so on the flip side of that, I'm sure there are people who are listening to this podcast (laughs) that are looking up to you. And maybe they're not trying to copy, but they're they're trying to build something and they're trying to make it awesome. And they're just not sure how to own being themselves. How have you been able to stay in your own lane? Like that sounds incredibly difficult. Like, do you not look at other Instagram planning apps? Do you, I mean, obviously you're going to have to be on Instagram and you have to be aware of what Instagram (laughs) is coming out with to Uh create your program or your product. And it makes sense that as Instagram rolls out new features that you would roll out features to support those features. Mm -hmm. So how do you make it unique without like, I mean, it would be so tempting to go peek at like how they do certain (laughs) aspects and certain things. So I literally don't look. I know I know what the features do. I have a competitor landscape where I understand that the their brand positioning, the price point and the features that they have. And then I look at where I'm going and it's just in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. And it gives me comfort knowing that my vision is so much bigger. For me, Plan isn't an Instagram scheduling app. That's not like yes, right now, that's what it is. But the mission for Plan behind that as I mentioned before, is not anything about Instagram scheduling. It's about the community and what I can provide help with. So one of the next things coming in, and if you want to copy this, go ahead, guys. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, I'm building in a thing where eventually later on we will have photo editing tools, but there's a couple of things that are just moved in front. So what I found is that brand consistency is something that's incredibly hard to do, especially if you've got a couple of minutes and you're trying to edit pictures on your phone. So I've built this amazing team where you can send us your, if you want to take your own content, but you can't figure out if it's the same color scheme or it doesn't, it it doesn't, it's not bright enough or you just wasted an hour taking photos you can't use. You can actually upload images into the app and into a particular section and or on my website when that part's finished, where my team will look at your Instagram feed and your branding and retouch and rebrand your imagery and send it back within 24 hours so you can keep going. So you're not held up, you can go on. So I'm in the beta phases of that. I've had about maybe 50 customers and I'm just perfecting the process before it goes into the app because I can't have 30,000 people (laughs) using it straight away if it's not right. So Mm -hmm. I'm working through that and maybe when this is up, there might might be um, a little beta sneak peek inside the app, but I'm not sure. Uh, These are obviously things I have to think about, but that's my first step to really, the next step of helping. I like it. I think that's going to be super incredible. 
I think that's a lot of stuff that we see from our own people of, okay, they figured out kind of how to take their own pictures because a lot of our people are on a, on a budget. Like they're not able to outsource for all of these things. Exactly. So they've got their little light box or they've read our blog posts and they've seen the videos of like, okay, I need the natural light. I'm going to do this (laughs) flatly. But then when it comes to editing, even if we give them the tutorials, they're just like, uh, and then one minute their feed looks great. And then all of a sudden it's like a little too warm or a little too cool. And they've bumped up that contrast too much. And so that consistency alone is amazing. So that's that's another thing I wanted for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I've been taking all of my, all of my product shots. I take here with a piece of white cardboard and then I've been getting them retouched. And then I started talking to the guys I was using to retouch. I'm like, what do you guys think about joining up? And they're like, yeah, of course, we'd love to help because they're creators as well. So they get it and they've yeah. been, yeah, they're amazing. So I'm really excited to see where that goes as well. Well, I don't think we ever realized how many different shades of white that you can have <laughs> until you try to retouch your pictures for Instagram. Oh, yeah, because yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you see them in the row and you're like, oh, that, that was great. That's great. <laughs> yeah. that, that one's green. Oh, I know. <laughs> And the best thing about it is that it won't be for specifically Instagram. So this will be a service that will then start rolling out so you can have the same consistency on your Pinterest, on your Facebook, oh, that's everything. that's so, so amazing. Yeah. I love it. One-stop shop. So incredible. Mm. Well, let's go ahead and head into our talk strategy to me segment. I would love for you to give three to five action steps for someone who isn't terrified after listening to this episode oh. and wants to move <laughs> ahead with pursuing their app and their idea, where should they start first? Help them out a little bit. Sure. So the first thing, you've you've got this amazing idea. So for example, I'll take you through what I did with plan. I think that's probably the best to start with a story. So I found my problem. I wanted to solve it. So that's number one, solve, solve a problem. And then number two, I wasn't sure what that would look like. So I started looking at apps that I actually liked and I had on my phone and why I liked them. So really analyzing and understand why I liked using these apps, what made me feel good, at what point did they, that was I hooked and wanting to pay for it. So learn, learn how apps work. That's kind of the next thing, like learn why you like certain apps and then draw up, start drawing little wireframes. I actually started, it was just pen and paper. I think I don't even know where I was. I was probably sitting on my balcony (laughs) and just with with a a sketch pad. I was like, okay, so this screen would go to this screen and this screen would go to this and I'd need an error message here and and drawing up how that would all look because this then becomes your scope to give to a developer to say, what would this cost? So moving from pen and paper, you then put it into a Google drawing or there's a great tool and I'll write a, a note. It's called Envision. I'll send you the link for that, but it's it's where you can mock up fake buttons so you can see a complete flow of how an That's app cool. would look. So you can actually do it for websites. You can do it for anything, but I was using it for my app and it was free at the time. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so learn learn the different pop-ups and then you want probably want to have a look at UI UX design next. Because you need to understand how people interact with your software is just as important as what it does. Because if it's not intuitive and it doesn't work the way that people intuitively work, and everyone is so different. But I taught myself all of this on YouTube, so there's no reason that you can't either. That's incredible. Yeah. And then I think that's three or four now. (laughs) And then... Yeah, and then from there, research the heck out of your development team that you're going to get married to. And get some mm-hmm. mentors on, and get a mentor. And that would be. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, that's like the super, super short condensed version. Now just go launch your app, guys. We'll see it in like three years. <laughs> you can get them done faster. It all depends on how you travel. And obviously I was, I was working with a brain trauma. So things were definitely a little bit slower than I could sure. have been at the start. So yeah, it's definitely, it's really addictive and I love it. And when people come to me with an idea, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Let's go. And I try let's my best. It. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm, I'm always a huge advocate of doing it because it's the, it's the, it's such a crash course into software and it's, I've never learned so much in my life. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, you're now you're speaking a lingo I've like never heard of, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, but <laughs> my I brain. Didn't, I didn't know this a year ago either. That's uh, awesome. I'm so proud of you. We oh, love the app. It's incredible. I'm so proud of everything that you've been able to put out into the community. Why don't you tell people where they can go find you? Sure. So my website, if you want to have a look at the what the app does exactly and all the features, it's plan that with a double N. So p l a double n that dot com. And then you can also find me on all, every single social handle is at plan that as well. So come stalk me down. Yes, do that. Thank you so much for being on the show, Christy. No problem. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.